Hey everyone, welcome to Inside the Firm where uh, we talk business, uh, we talk development, and uh, we talk shop. So if you have a business, architecture business, or want to get inside the head of inside the head of some principles, we're your guy. So I'm your host, Alex Gore, here with our other host, Lance Psycho. Hey, hey, how's it going, everybody? Hey, it's going good. I All answered right. for them. So, how, do you know, how do you know we don't have an audience? <laughs> the people don't know, hey, hey, I'm here. <laughs> Nothing? <laughs> That would be awesome. We fake. If there was a live audience or fake live topic audience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, first, let's give a, a, a shout out to one of our buddies, Matt Perry. Uh, he's starting his own business. He cruised through all of our episodes and he was upset that we didn't have more. Um, so Perry, we wish you all the best and you, you kind of sent us a little rant. Um, so we'll kind of answer some of your questions. You want to kick, kick it off, Lance? Yeah. So one of the questions, uh, one of the questions Matt uh, asked is, uh, what, <clears throat> what would this, when, when you go to buy a printer and, uh, when you go to buy a printer and for us, for architects, right, we, we, we print on huge, uh, scale paper. So for, for us, we made the decision. We, we have 11 by, we have two matching printers or 11 by 17. Uh, we used, I think they're the brother brand or something like that. They work pretty They work pretty well. We can do wireless printing now, but one of the things we, we've done from the beginning was we decided to never buy a plotter because in school, it was just a mess trying to plot. And maybe maybe it was because our school didn't have the newest, newest, latest, and greatest, but I still remember them breaking down quite often. It was just yep. an awful mess. And we never want to deal with them. I remember at, at Liebskin that they had newer, fancier stuff, and they would still break down. Oh, I, I was blown away because we'd get an email and it would say, plotters down so i expected like any issue it would take 24 hours to fix and then 10 minutes later plotters up and i thought in my head man if you are fixing this stuff in 10 minutes why even let the whole office know who cares <laughs> right because you're only probably pissing off one person that's trying to do it right now the rest of us are doing whatever we also couldn't afford a plotter right away <laughs> well that's true but the other thing i was going to say is that because they are a hassle and even the new ones are a hassle like they have a professional professional person at Liebskin and that professional in-house uh whatever you want to call him the the IT manager or whatever yep he isn't just an individual IT manager he's part of a bigger firm so sometimes when something big would happen either the server or the plotter so let's say in 10 minutes he didn't fix it let's say it was taking 15 minutes an email will come out say hey there's a huge problem here I'm going up to higher headquarters uh, we'll figure it out. And then they'd, he'd either call like someone who knew everything about printers or they'd send one like right over it's New York. They'll get there in five minutes and then it'd be fixed in 45 minutes instead of 15. So, yeah. So I don't want to hire like that. Exactly. So, per- so person. Th- this podcast is focused for, uh, I think it's focused for like probably firms of 12 or less, right? We're, we're small firm architects. We're, we're worth, we, uh, we, so that advice I think goes for people of 12 or less. Why, if you don't have, if you don't have the capability to purchase the thing and then like hire this person that's only going to be dedicated to do the, all the IT stuff, why not just, just farm out the printing? It's yep. really not that much extra. And at the end of the day, our clients pay for it, right? Cause it's a hard cost. Um, we used to mark up 10% of our drawings. We don't do that anymore. We just, it's just a hard cost straight through. Nobody likes that little markup. We're not contractors. Yep. So we're not marking up materials. And, uh, we've gotten set in our ways and as we like to pretend that we're nimble and on the cutting edge. So the printer we use, it, it, he would pretend. Yeah, pretend. Uh, a couple blocks away, uh, d- same price as everyone else, and we go 
print them, pick them up. They're normally pretty fast. You can send them, and within an hour, you can go get them. There's another printing service here in Longmont that will just bring them to you. Deliver them. Yep, yep, and they're two cents a square foot cheaper. We haven't gone with them just because we're getting to be a, a really rich, established firm. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not really... <laughs> exactly. I know we're going to try them out. That's a good idea. Yeah. The courier system. I don't so, know. Well, at, the end, at the end of the day, I think if you can let people who are specialized in something do their specialized thing and not try to overextend yourself into other specialties the, there you the, go the reason yeah simplify which is one of our principles yep but the reason why i bring that up is to let other people know you might want to look around and there might be someone that delivers your plots for the same price and you're like man i don't have to spend five grand plus figure out how to use this stupid plotter yeah, plus, plus plus send somebody to go get uh, the drawings all that stuff yeah so look around for that and then on a on a smaller firm note um, we just had a guy, I think we're going to set everything up on Amazon so we get our ink situated and all that. But he went to Staples um, because we it was the printer last night didn't work. So this morning he figured it out. And uh, he he just got the price. You know, he found what we needed there at Staples and then looked it up on Amazon and then showed the cashier and they price matched everything. So he saved 60 bucks because we bought a bunch of stuff. I was like, bam, that, that takes care of your hour, hourly rate right there. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> made up for it 100 percent, yeah so uh yeah perry uh last shout out here would be please send in your worst and best advice that you ever got um professionally or personally we'd love to we'd love to have you on we'd love to hear your golden sultry voice sir yes and uh everyone else so i asked him to leave a review and he only listens on soundcloud but if you listen on itunes or anything like that on your phone you can leave a review we'd, we'd really appreciate to hear the feedback and to get a bump in the rating so other people listen yeah we're also uh, transparent. We're also transparent. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Next item. Okay. Let's talk about meetings. We just had a really good meeting with a, a builder. And the reason why we had this meeting is uh, we, in our category, so there's, there's uh, Biz West is a newspaper uh, in all of Colorado, but they break it down by Northern Colorado, Denver, and then I think Southern Colorado. Yep. yep. And they have tiers of how much money you make. So like if your company with... 5 million plus you're in one tier if you're in a million to 2 million you're in another you know just think about five different tiers so in our tiers we were the third fastest growing company in every sector um in in our tier so we went to this event um and lance was doing more of the glad handing i was doing more of the, the baby handing uh, baby <laughs> <laughs> al had his baby and his wife there i had my fiance there too yeah um, but someone came up just because of the baby and we got a meeting with them too. So and usually, usually I'm not, uh, usually I'm, I get kind of gun shy at like those kind of meet, those kind of events where I just feel like, Oh, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't feel comfortable going up and glad handing people and stuff like that. But in this case, I, so I always need something where we have something to talk about or like mutual congratulations. Yeah. So if you are ever, if you, if anybody listening, if you're firm or your company or you ever, uh, get invited to do something like this where you will receive an award, go to it 100%. Just just for the networking with all of these different people because <clears throat> because it's so easy to start the conversation. You can just go up and say, hey, sorry up there, congratulations. Would love to learn more about your company. Can we do coffee sometime? Can we do a lunch? Yeah. Um, all those sorts of things. It was it was such everybody was so happy and so loose at that at that at that thing at the event. It was it was awesome. So we landed out of that meeting, out of that event we landed um a meeting a meeting that we just had yesterday or the day before yesterday probably that we're going to talk Days about blend. 
But then, yeah, exactly. But then a couple other ones that are pretty for strategic for us in our development. We're meeting with a bank next week in Boulder. We're meeting with uh, the biggest real real estate holding company in Boulder, who then recommends people to do tenant finishes for their clients that come in and that are going to yep. uh, rent their spaces and stuff like that. Meeting with an accounting firm. We're going to vet those people. Yep. And then we're meeting with uh, the most successful, uh, the CEO of one of the of the most successful. Um, for, uh, company in long ago. Okay. So now that we have these meetings, let's talk about meeting strategy. Um, and what I mean by that is, is how to prepare for it, what happens during it and maybe some insights. So I'd say the first thing that's very important is to have a positive attitude. Now, like everything we say, I would put your expectations at zero, meaning you don't think that you're going to get the job or, um, you're going to get something from them. You just have a positive attitude towards that general possibility. Exactly. It, it, you're not, you're not, you might not get anything out of it at yep. the end of the day. So no expectations, I think, is, is 100% critical. Especially if you think about the meeting that we're going to have with the you know, uh, 50 million to 100 million guy. It, one, we need to prepare, and I think we should ask questions and, and, and be insightful in our questions. Like, how did you specifically go about doubling your growth? Was it all through um, referrals that they grew or did you have a strategy for you know going after a different market, expanding that way? But anyways, um, I think some people, I think some people would say, man, you have to think we're going to get this job. We're going to get this job. We're going in there. We're sharks. Yeah. We're going to take them for all they're worth or whatever. Yeah, yep. exactly. And, and I think our attitude is uh, give first and then it reciprocity comes. Right. So, so I would say positive attitude and then, and then give. So on one of these meetings with the, with a contractor, not only do we want a ton of their work. Um, and then also he told us about a ton of their work that they turned down. They turned down million dollar homes because they are commercial contractors. And then I made a joke, you know, because you said, Hey, who do you refer that to? And he's like, oh, we don't have anyone. So I go, hey, my name is Al Gore. Al Gore, <laughs> F9 production shook his hand. It was hilarious. Yeah. It was hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think it was before that, we have a big commercial project that we're, we're going after. So we said, hey, we'd like you exactly. to be involved. Yeah. So we, we did bring our port- we did bring in like a small portfolio that was tailored. I would say there's also like a key to tailoring what you're bringing to a meeting, which probably sounds like common sense. But at the end of the day, not I, common I, practice. Exactly. Common sense is not common practice. Exactly. So it might be common sense, but it might not be common practice. So what I did was we put together our three biggest uh, multifamily residential projects. Yeah. So that we could look, we could show that hey, we do we do big stuff. It might yeah. not be big commercial stuff, and that's what these guys do a lot more commercial and public work. But they do do the multifamily stuff. And this particular contractor said they actually you know he he likes to do it. Some of his other supers might not might not like to do it. Um, so that was kind of like enticing to them that, oh, hey, hey, it's a possibility that these guys might be able to be a referral yep. to us from their developers that they're looking for a new contractor or you know, stuff like that. And he reiterated what we know is true is that a 45-unit townhome is somehow, sometimes more complicated than a huge industrial factory. Yeah, absolutely. You know? um, absolutely, especially when it comes to the clientele. I think that was one of the things he goes, he's like, we love building these, you know, construction-wise, Construction-wise, it might be easier than commercial in certain ways because you're dealing with like a Type Five construction or something like that. But then he's like, "Oh, when it comes down to like the warranty, because you have to warranty them for a year usually." Um, it, but still, I would say construction-wise, it might even be harder too because you're doing weird jogs, you're doing little conditions, yeah. you're doing drops off. It's and with some of these steel fat like steel up, 
there's there's only <laughs> four walls and a roof. Um, obviously, it can get more complicated with the different trades, and if you're if if the factory is specific, but I mean a general warehouse. Yeah. So when so when I brought that little three page portfolio out, I sh- you know I just explained, hey, this is this is what we do, and then I just casually asked, is this would you guys ever be interested in doing stuff like this? And he said, oh yeah yeah yeah. And then and then the second thing I brought out was I said, well, there is one project that we have where we literally are we will need a contractor at a certain point, and I, I want to show you show show you and see if you'd be interested in it. And it's a, it's a commercial building. Uh, it's a commercial building to the north of us. So the, he took a look at it and he, you know, and then eyes lit up. So I think at the end of the day, you have to bring, you have to bring something to the table that is enticing, uh, to, to the other person so that you, they, everybody understands like this is a reciprocal, uh, relationship that you're trying to establish. It's not just one sided. Yep. So what, whatever, whatever kind of interesting ways you can come up with of, even maybe you don't have a building, I don't know, some other way you have to figure out how to be uh, have the reciprocity. And here's maybe the nuance between getting the deal or getting work from them and then having a general positive attitude. Because if you go in there um, like a shark, and I, I'd like to hear other people's perspective who, who maybe do the shark mentality. Mm. Uh, because my view is that they give a, might... Give us some advice if you Yeah, will. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, whoever you're meeting with might, might get the feeling, oh, they're only here to get... They're only here to use me or my resources and, and maybe subtly or subconsciously shuts them down where it's just a general positive like, hey, I like these guys. A lot of people like to work with who they like. <laughs> um, exactly. Th- I think that's that's huge. And then all of a sudden it becomes like, hey, here's something that you might be interested in. And what are they naturally going to do? Oh, I got some stuff for you guys too, you know? Exactly, yeah. So I'd say that's the nuance to, to... Even for landing, even for landing the meeting. So to bring it, to swing it back to this, uh, the other gentleman we were scheduled to meet with next week. Again, this guy's a super successful CEO. He took, they took their firm from 50 to 100 million. Um, they don't do architecture, they do different stuff. But, uh, he, you know, he was not totally open to meeting with us right away because they said, hey, I don't have any architecture work. And one, and so my create me being a, trying to be a creative person, I said, Oh, well actually we just wanted to pick your brain. Number one. And then number two, we're developers and we're developing eight condos. And we understand that with your kind of growth, they can't find enough people. If that's how much they're growing. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the un- we found out at the event that the unemployment rate is 1.8% in Colorado, which is basically zero. Yeah. Uh, because three, because people are in transition. So Transition th- three is basically or, full employment, or they don't want, or yeah, or they don't want to work there in yeah. between jobs, stuff like that. So, <clears throat> when I said the second part, is when I think in that email, then he came back and said, "Oh, okay, I see." Like, because yeah. we are trying to be a resource, and and that this is a strategy that I want to try to uh, imp, um, go after with our development is, man, if we could just find a, one of these companies that's growing like crazy, and we could just lock down the sale all said and done with one of them, what a no brainer. Yeah. Boom, moved in the whole branch. <laughs> so <laughs> for better or for worse, I don't know if people want to work and live next to each other, but <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I remember us talking about how you get work starting up a firm in the beginning podcast. Mm-hmm. So I won't touch too much on that. And then it being a huge question, a huge question that we are trying to figure out years ago and that I was asking prominent architects how they do it. And, you know, some said, oh, they just stole them from their old client. And, and our answer was we advertise. But and so I want to make clear because some people might say, hey, this is great for uh, during the meeting, but how do you get the meeting? And where all of these ones came from was we went to an award ceremony because we were part of it. But just know 
that there's award ceremonies in every state, every city, and who puts them on is normally someone who is trying to make a profit, even if they're a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So you, even if you aren't invited to go, you could find out where they are and you can buy a ticket for a seat, Yep, 40 bucks, whatever. And then you just use the same strategy as Lance, like, hey, congratulations, I saw, and normally like they announce it's the so people. It's so simple. Um, if you ever had the time, I'd like to sit down and talk to you. Um, and, and you can say, you know, you're an architecture business and just know if they're like, oh, we don't have any need for it, then use as a backup. No, I'm, I'm learning to, I just want to, from a business to business perspective, my business is growing. So I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit more, something like that. Or, you know, you can have another backup. Another that, backup. Yep. 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 But you see how it works. Yeah, exactly. And there's a whole bunch of different meetups too. It doesn't have to be award ceremony. It, there's just general business meetups, small entrepreneurial meetups. All the that. chamber. Yeah, exactly. Chamber. There's, there's all kinds of stuff all over the place. So check it out. Anything else? Anything else on meeting etiquette? I don't think so. Okay. Nope. How about this? Last thing would be maybe to follow up, right? Or, or leave them thinking about the meeting a little bit longer. Like, can it linger a little bit more in their, in their brains so that they feel more compelled to get back to you? It just uh, it keeps, them, keeps you in the back of their brain. What we did at the end of the meeting was we said... I gave this guy a really good, uh, a really well-deserved compliment, actually. He was just so gregarious and fun to hang out with. He was a guy our age, hilarious. Uh, we laughed a lot during the meeting, and I said, I said, dude, you're... I don't know if I said dude. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. Dude, listen. <laughs> I was wearing shorts to the meeting. Yeah. Uh, but I said, I said, your, your personality is so infectious. I said, it would behoove you not to be on the Art of Construction podcast, so I... I referred him over to over to Devin Tilly to see if he could get on because Devin runs it out of Denver. I think he'd be perfect. It would help promote his business and then, you know, bridge connections and all that stuff because, you know, build, builders need windows and all that sort of thing. And then I and then I I text him our the episode we were on and he yeah. said, "Oh, perfect. I'll listen to it on the way to Denver." So, I think there's, you know, that's probably a super unique situation, but the at the very least it could be like maybe even a couple hours after the meeting, you know, send it, send a thank Perfect. you in an email, send a thank you the next day, something like that. Yep. So I, I'm going to email him today because you text. So this will be great. Yeah. I, and say, Hey, uh, here's a link to their website and here's Devin's email. Perfect. And just exactly. Just, just so just then get him flowing right in there because maybe he listened to it and you know how busy people are totally Super like, busy. Oh yeah, I was going to get a hold of that guy. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be go. awesome on there. Love to listen to him. Yep. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about, <clears throat> I don't. You don't. I'm just kidding. I don't know what to, uh, <laughs> just not not taking things personally cool. from, from a from a business perspective. Yep. And I think it I think it's ultra critical. So one of the one of the things Alex and I have been talking about lately is your clients sort of become your friends. And some of them actually become our, our pretty pretty good friends, uh, to where we meet their family, they meet our family, we know each other's wives, we know each other's kids. You got a couple best best friends out of, the, out of the, these deals. Yeah, yeah, the best best ever. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we don't become friends, yeah. but a lot of times you do, and it's hard, it's hard not to, especially, especially when you're doing stuff like designing somebody's house or, or, or even a builder, right? You know, I, in some ways I consider like builders sort of clients because then maybe we'll hire them to do certain things and stuff like that. Um, I, can I tell a quick story? I remember one of our, our first house we got together. Shout out Tim. Oh yes. Perfect example. And the, and I really cut it off at five, five thirty six. Now I got a kid been moving houses. Um, but he used to call me at seven, eight at night. I'd be at my desk working all the time. And then after that project, I remember a month goes by like, 
Man, I miss Tim. Yeah. <laughs> I miss Tim. Yeah. So definitely. Well, it boils down to this. A lot of these movers and shakers out there doing and making deals, they have to have good personalities. So like it's kind of contagious that you catch their personality. And if, if you're a mover and shaker, then so like you're going to become like buddies in some way. So where I'm going with this is with those buddies, if they're developer buddies, okay, Sometimes, sometimes if they have a new project, you know, we'll, we'll bid on it. We know we're competing against other people. Maybe we don't get the project. Yep. Should we take it personally? Should we take it personally and go have like a, a uh, some kind of meeting with them and bleed our hearts out? And no, I, I think the answer is you need a forty thousand foot perspective, right? You need to understand that like, look, this is a long game of of golf, right? That we're playing, like bigger than eighteen holes or something like that. So like, yeah, we didn't get that project. But if we show candor in the fact that we didn't get that project, we don't take it personally, I think that permeates into the whole process with them. Yep. And I'll give two examples. I think you need to put yourself in their perspective. So uh, one of the developers, we're doing a huge townhome complex, huge. And then I was in the third meeting with them because we do OAC, which is owner, architect, contractor meeting. And uh, one of them goes, hey, we're doing another big project up in Broomfield, wherever they're doing it. And uh, they go, it's, it's 100 units. And I go, oh, cool. And then he immediately says, eh, you know, because he thought of it, and we're using someone else. <laughs> 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 and and, and I, I, go, I go, that's, you know, like, I, yeah, that's fine. And Your brain probably wasn't even going there, was it? Like, ooh, ooh. Or, or was it? Or were you thinking, ooh, ooh, who are you using? Are you going to use us? You know what? I, I think I maybe would have asked. But I, the reason why I wasn't upset or anything, because I know our firm is literally dedicated to finishing up this, this 45 unit. Yeah. And, and they know that we're a seven-man firm and we got other stuff. So it makes sense for them to break up and do it with another firm. Like they have multiple, multiple. Pro- I'm sure they're doing another project with another firm. Exactly. You know? And a lot of these big developers, that's the way it works. Yeah. Right? Why would you want to put all of your eggs in one basket? And I was thinking if we got so big where we are doing... 20 units here, 20 units in a different city, 20 units in another city. I would almost want like a real estate agent for each one. You know what I mean? Like you sell these, you sell those, you sell those. You know, Mm -hmm. if they were at the same time, we're never going to get that huge probably. That's what he thinks. (laughs) (laughs) But wouldn't that make sense? Or or maybe I'm wrong. But I think it, I I think it makes sense not only just from not putting your eggs all in one basket, but even a specializing basket, you know, like, oh, this Becky, Becky, Becky is really good in Broomfield. Why wouldn't we use Becky in Broomfield? She lives in Broomfield. Exactly. Yeah. Becky from Broomfield. Yeah. <laughs> Becky's the best. <laughs> um, then the other one, we actually, it was condos. And uh, the guy said, hey, you didn't get it. So we uh, we just, you, a lot of times we'll just email and ask. And we won't say why. We won't ask why. You know, like, oh, why didn't you choose us? Blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, the only thing we will ask is, hey, we just want to know where we landed on the budget. And we don't even ask for specific numbers. We were just like low, low medium, high. Yep. Um, and he's the one, he's like, hey, if you guys want to know why you didn't get it, give me a call. Which was rare. I mean, we, we hard, when we've never had anybody say yeah. that. Like, I'll, I want to tell you guys. I want to tell you guys. So if going into this phone call, if we would have had this vendetta and like this anger about us, I think it could have went awful, right? Yeah. And I would say a lot of times they don't even tell you. You just... It's been six months and take the hint, <laughs> take, take, take the hint by the radio yeah. silence. And he goes, actually, you were 30 to $40,000 lower than this other one, but this is all those guys do. Yep. And this is our first time doing that. And we go, oh, that makes sense. And he goes, hey, 
he goes, he goes, don't sweat it. I, well, I know we're going to work together. He goes, I love working with you guys. Yep. I know we're going to work together in the future. So again, 40,000 foot perspective, yep. knowing that like this guy is our age. We have another 30 years to work yep. together. Their deals are going to happen. And, and I truly believe sometimes you don't get those projects and it's the universe has a reason of n- not allowing you to get that project. Like yep. maybe from a liability standpoint, who knows? And I didn't even need the reassurance that we'll work together in the future. Yeah. I just bought his logic that he wanted to go someone that's done 20 of these. And was, we, oh. even, even when we sent off that proposal for that one, we were kind of on edge. Like, oh, I don't know. This, this is sort of out of our wheelhouse. It's sort of in, sort of out. I wonder if they could feel that vibe too. Maybe. Yeah. It was a terrible meeting. <laughs> it was. Were we tired? Was we I were tired? So tired. Why were we so tired? Because I don't know. I think I, I think we both worked outside all weekend on our houses or something like that. And then we went to the meeting. We were exhausted. It was just complete exhaustion. We yeah. came to, it was a Monday meeting. I don't know what was going on. It yeah. wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Be prepared. So shout out. I'll blame Atlas. Yeah. Shout out Atlas. <laughs> shout out Atlas. Yeah. So try to try if you can think about it. Forty thousand feet away. You know. Try to have that like overall view of what's happening. And know that business gets personal, but business is not personal. Boom. You got it. You heard it End there. End of podcast. You heard it there first. Um, and with that, I would like to welcome, uh, we're going to now jump into the best and worst advice, um, our good friend, uh, avid listener, Kurt Kruger of Kurt Kruger Architects out of uh, California. He does some amazing work. Check him out um, on his website. Um, they do, he's an actually, he's, he's like us in that he's an architect led design build firm and so i really appreciate what he's doing for the industry and we really appreciate him uh being on the podcast so uh here we go we're gonna listen to him and then uh have a little uh little reaction to it hey guys this is kurt Kruger. so my best and worst advice i'm gonna cheat a little bit and give you two because they're the flip side of each other um both i got good advice and bad advice on two different examples on the exact same subject and they're two of the best and worst that I can think of. So um, they're both pertaining to the subject of architecture. So on good advice, um, I shared this on the Entree Architect podcast, is that one of my uh, mentors and bosses shared with me during the time that I was uh, still in school and interning and just all I knew is how to just you know work and work and work and burn the midnight oil and he gave me a great advice that um, look you're not going to get nearly as much out of staying here late in the night as you would getting out in the world and exploring it Um, and he wasn't just talking about architecture he was talking about the world in general and that um, when you go out and you explore the world you learn new things and those new things you can bring back into uh, your work so um, so that's the good advice. Uh, the flip side of that advice came from another person whose name shall remain anonymous who thought the opposite and uh, made a remark to me one time that, well, why do you need to go to those places? Can't you just see them in books and get the same thing out of it? I think I'll just leave that at that and let you guys chew on that. Okay, so then the second... Uh, bit of good and bad advice uh, came from a friend of mine who was uh, a few years older than me in school and he gave me the advice uh, that I still take to this day about reading um, when it comes to architecture and to read the writings of 
different architects, both their theories and thoughts, um, not only to better understand uh, their build work, but to better understand where they're coming from, and then in the end, to help you better think like an architect. Um, and I think that's extremely valuable uh, to do, rather than just looking at the buildings themselves. Um, so the bad advice that I got was taking that idea and that notion of reading as much as I can. doesn't really matter if they're particular architects that I like or don't like. Um, when I was in school, um, I picked up a bunch of those books. So there could be a lot of the architects like Peter Eisenman, Bernard Schumi, uh, Zaha Hadid, and I um, I knew I had a, a bit of an old school professor, and so I put a stack of those books on my desk, probably just to get a little bit of a rise out of him as well, but partially because I liked him, and I uh, didn't always like the works of those people, but I liked uh, the thoughts and uh, the nature behind that. So um, he said to me at that time, well, you should really get rid of those. You won't get anything out of them, which... To me, I, I don't know, that's not something that I ever think about really anything <laughs> in general. I think that even if you agree or disagree, certainly you can get something out of it, even if it's a deeper understanding of where someone else is coming from, um, only to then, if you want to disagree with it, so be it. But uh, I always have felt that you know to better understand the world and under, better understand people, to at least uh, understand and read and see where they're coming from. So uh, that's it. Those are my two pieces of bad and good advice. So thanks again, guys. Really appreciate uh, having me on and keep up the great work. Okay. Hey, thanks. I thought that was great. Um, I only have things to add on to that. Not so much of a reaction, but a, a piggyback. So the go out and explore. I think the unsaid thing about that or maybe the hint, I might be wrong, but a lot of people say go to Europe. And I think also go to Europe. I think that's I, great. I didn't get a job once because I didn't go to Europe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might fire you because of it, actually, <laughs> now that you brought that up. Um, but what I'd say is find uh, new things in old places. And old places, I don't mean physically old places. I mean things that places that you might not think that you'll find them. So your hometown. I remember you've been to Rochester, Minnesota. Yep, it, it's, it's all right. A, <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't no, it's the best. It's pretty cool. It's a gem for a mid-sized city. The amount of the amount of infrastructure in like the downtown area for what is a hundred thousand. Hundred thousand is pretty incredible. Yeah, I don't think there's anything like it on the planet. I mean, it's the Mayo Clinic. Come on. Yeah. So I think my second or third year of college, I decided for a weekend I was going to go back and be a, a tourist in my in my own place where I gr grew up, been to downtown all the time. And I literally did what you do in Europe. You just walk around, you find a place to eat, you walk some more, you go into like any building that isn't locked, you just go into it. <laughs> and it, it was amazing because I, I saw it even, even better than, than I've ever seen it before. So in Colorado, you know, you don't have to go to Europe. You can go down to Pueblo and they have an amazing library. Yeah. You know, you can go to golden, you can go. So if, if and I don't know if that was as his advice to go to Europe, but um, if you can't, know that it's still here. If you live in L.A., there's a lot of things to see in L.A. And just know the, the Europeans that like I'd meet in the cars and travel around and they'd be from Spain or wherever. And they go, you Americans are crazy. They're like, I've lived in Europe you know, my whole life. So I've never been to Germany. And it's literally right there. Like they're 
Germany is as big as Wisconsin and a half, you know. Yeah. So there was a there was a few girls I dated in Colorado where I would take them to just uh, different buildings and stuff like that, and they're like, "I've lived here my whole life and never been here." Before. Yeah, yeah. So right around the corner, there's surprises. Yep. And then the second one was to read, and I and I want to echo this. Um, it's re- awesome advice, and I I have two veins. So one for architecture, I would. Recommend it, recommend Kindergarten Chats by Lewis Sullivan. I think that's great. He was the mentor to Frank Lloyd Wright, which is obviously, you know, he's a badass. Um, and then I would say also don't get sucked into that world too much. I think too often architects get into Archie speak, and that's not a dig on the podcast. Shout out podcast Archie speak. <laughs> yeah. it, uh, it, because they don't do this. It, it's getting into... Um, Theory and BS. And you need to be able to relate to people that are not swimming in that every single day. It's as simple as that. Yep. Um, there's just there's just something about sometimes when some of these guys go off. And even some of the famous people. So I don't even know if this is correct um, advice. Because a lot of the famous people will talk that way. And I think it's new and it's interesting and it's it's high art. But... And, and maybe you need to speak that way to get to, to, to that level. But I see people not at that level speaking like that. And then a lot of people in academia take it way too far and in just a terrible, terrible way. And then young people coming in. We've had people, you know, apply to this firm and, and talk to I, I was just like, you know nothing. Please. <laughs> I didn't say that whatsoever. <laughs> and, 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 and that's not my general assessment of students. It was just this assessment like, man, you're actually in in the hole and these words are not protecting you whatsoever yeah so i would say read but then expand and expand different and the first one the the gateway drug i'd give you into this other world would be uh the book's just called jobs by walter isaacson it's about steve jobs and he bridges the design and business world and then i think you can explore those those other books um so that you don't get pigeonholed and that book is so big just go to your library Get the book on tape slash people don't say book on CDs, but book on tape and just put it in your car when you're driving to work. Um, Why the heck don't they say CDs? I know. No one says CDs. Get the book on tape. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Uh, it, 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 it's invaluable. It's an amazing book. Yeah. Even if it's on your even if it's on your phone, it's not book on tape. What? <laughs> no, no, it is. I mean, it, it is book on tape. It is book on yeah, tape. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so uh, what I, the, the or sign up for Audible. For your free first month and then quit afterwards. There you go. If you listen to it. Yeah. They're not a sponsor. Yeah. If you were a sponsor, I wouldn't say quit. So <laughs> think about that, Audible. Yeah. Um, the the thing I'd piggyback on to, on top of and, and kind of go tangential is uh, Kurt said the the last the last segment was um, the bad advice he got from that professor when he put the books on top of his desk. He said, ah, get rid of those. And I think that's really ignorant because I, and I think that's where that's where ignorance is bred by people is when they just deny information because they because they maybe they really have a problem with what those people are saying in those books or those people are saying on a podcast or whatever any kind of media there is i think it's so important to understand the other side of the coin right so it's like and it, to like touch on politics if you are the majority of america i truly believe is like this middle ground right where we just want to have our families and we want to do, we want to just want to live like a prosperous life. Have some Bud Light. <clears throat> out. Yep, exactly. But in order for 
people to move legislatures through or to try to to try to get more people to come from the middle ground isn't it important that you understand both sides of the coin then that you understand like the extreme left the extreme the extreme right and you're trying to play to the things on both of those sides and find some middle ground and to to add on to that point Jordan Peterson you can google he's on YouTube he's an, an academic uh, one that I really admire. I admire a lot of them. And one of his points and principles that I think is huge. So probably maybe his best advice parroted through me is no, um, because there's, you know, social justice, there's people protesting and all that. And he goes, if you don't know the other side more than they do, then shut up. I he, mean, he says it probably nicely. No, but, I think he literally said shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was just on Joe Rogan lately. Yeah. Yeah. But, but how profound is that? Because I remember uh, we, in an English class, we had a debate and, you know, I, I didn't get to, apparently it's still a, a thorn in my side. They didn't pick me to be, the teacher didn't it because I didn't have a good enough answer. But I knew that I was going to study both sides and I was going to really actually study their side so that I could come up with their arguments. I think that's, that's. In, instrumental and now, in, as a life skill is that when a you life skill when you go to criticize Absolutely. someone else if you don't know their side as good as their supporters shut up so how could this relate to architecture business if you're a student all of those things number one if you're a student i think who what are the people who are going to be critiquing your project looking for right big fancy words so you're well maybe <laughs> maybe so so you're, you're understanding their side of the coin and placating to that, right? Same thing with a developer. Like, what are they going to be looking for in the end, right? Yeah. How can you placate to that? Or for the development that we're doing, who are we placating these products, these yeah. buildings that we're making? Or from the what we were talking about earlier, from the developer. Oh, they, they didn't go with me, or why would they go with me? What are they thinking? What is their perspective? What is useful to them? Yeah. So to ignore, to completely ignore what other people have to say, even though you hate it, is silly. I try to confront that head on all the time, no matter how crazy I think anybody is. I at least try to go like, wow, yep. I hear you. Now, do I think it's crazy? Yeah. Or maybe I don't think it's crazy, but I have at least entertained their thought in my head for a bit. It can't hurt. What can yeah. it hurt? Yep. And then the only thing too, that why I say with books, blend them with, with regular books. And it kind of goes to his first advice is don't get stuck just in the office, go out and live life so don't get stuck in one side of books go out and get all the types of books it's because there's um i forgot what it is but it, it's it, everything almost everything you do can be interesting but is it worth your time so you have to do that little analysis so if you're going to go deep into some theory and then read and compare all these guys does that somehow apply to your business and how you're selling yourself and how you're creating your your architecture um then yes, it's very valuable to just dive in. And, and uh, as a student, I think you should dive in because you you have the time. You don't think you have the time. You have the time. Um, but as as a professional, is what you're doing, are you going to somehow physically manifest that? And then if you're not, then maybe gear your reading towards some, some other way. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of development, um, one thing I wanted to talk about is for the development talk today was the five pieces of the development pie. And this, this sort of came in like a conversation I was having with somebody else of like, what, how many pieces do you think you need to have before you're a partner in the deal? And I would contend that it's, that it's three out of the five, okay? And I'll, and I'll sort of list them off here, and I'd like to hear what you have to say. Um, so the first part is the money, right? 
And that's probably going to be 15% of the deal in terms of like, you're going to be paying on an average 15% interest on the money. In other words, how to, to, when you get the construction loan, when you raise the private capital, the money component can either, can sort of get your foot in the door as one of the partners. The second part would be the contractor, which is everybody, everybody probably knows by now is that I just passed the contractor's license. And now actually this morning I took all of the application over to the city and hopefully, hopefully going to get approved um, to build our building. <clears throat> so that contractor will account for 10% of the construction budget, right? And is a major player in the development scheme. Uh, the third point is the architect. That's us. 10%, right? It's hard to build a building without, without drawings. Hard to, and I would count the engineers in this, in this scheme of everything too, okay? Fourth would be the developer. There is, when you go down to your pro forma, the developer has a 10% fee. Like, that's the profit they want to make on the whole thing. And then the, the fifth one is realtors. So the realtor can, can count why they're a player in it is they could essentially be 6% of profit, right? They could have, they have a big portion of that. So I think you have to have, you have to at least wear three of the five hats. So partner, it's interesting. And real estate agents can give insight of what might make something sell better or worse. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So the, they in, know in the market. Sense. They're they're right on the pulse of it. They have strategies for selling, like your house. Yep. And then there's a a partner could be there could be someone who is a partner in money, but not a partner in decision making. So you actually say th three. Mm -hmm. You need to be three. I say one. You only need one to be a partner in it. Well, you and you need to be the one. And what I mean is that so we were I was drawing up a building and we are debating whether we should have siding here or whatever, um, or what we should do with the facade. And I gave my perspective why. And then I told them what they want to do is a wash and only has negative consequences. Right. Um, still they're like, okay, let's figure out what the contractor says. He'll be at the next meeting, all that. So they're running through the numbers and, and the estimator was going through how much everything's going to cost. And the contractor finally just said, it's going to be a wash. And then ever, then, then they agreed to, to what I wanted. Right. So, as the, you know, quote unquote architect, they didn't just listen to me, right? They might next time, you know, because I know that I kind of knew what was going on. Yeah. But even, even if it was going to be a wash or it was going to, let's say it was going to cost a little bit more to do what I wanted or a little bit less. It only mattered what the developer said. The developer said, take those out or put those in. That's what was going to happen. You know, unless it was some egregious error where like they're going to make something unsafe, thus I cannot do the building, right? Um, that that was the final word. So you have to be the developer to, you can give input, you can have a say, you can give suggestions, but if you aren't the developer, you don't get to override anyone. You don't get to say nothing. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> I mean, no, I I, unless right. like the architects can say, hey, co developer, you can't do this. Because of code, you can't. You need to do this, or the. You know, a lot of times it's not confrontational whatsoever. Okay, how about it's this? A lot of input. Yeah, you're right. You're right. If you're the developer, but but I would argue the developer is probably two things, right? They're at least. See, a lot of the developers we 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 work with, they're they're still three of these five things usually. Sometimes sometimes they're the money, plus the developer, the developer, which is like spearheading the thing. They understand the entire problem. They're, those are the yeah. good developers. And then maybe the realtor or a contractor. contractor. So like I, I, I hear you. Right. The developer has the last say, one hundred percent. Yes. But 
I think to be a partner in the deal, you've got to wear multiple hats here. The developer in our cases is normally the money, Mm -hmm. almost always the real estate agent also. Yeah. Yeah. And they might be the contractor. So think about our, our big three. They are the money and the real estate agent. And then a lot of them are also the contractor. A lot of them are the contractor too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if they weren't, and if it was just a developer and they hired you, I'd say they still like, what, what are you, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, like, like we couldn't come with the architect, the real estate person and the contractor. If, if we came as all three, they'd probably really listen to our suggestions a lot, but we couldn't override them. Nope. Nope. Yeah. They're the, they're the final say. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, okay. So with that, I think we'll wrap everything up with some code questions. Good. I've been 100 for 100 this whole time, so let's let's keep knocking them out of the park. 100 for 100, huh? Yep. Yeah. I bet our listeners would agree. Yep. 100%. Okay. <clears throat> so here we go. Never got one more. We got three solid questions. Honestly, if you are just not even an architect, I, these these would pertain to you because I get a guarantee a lot of people are homeowners that are listening, okay? And they're going to have their, their roof replaced. So if you're going to have your roof replaced, you're going to have to deal with drip edges. So that's what we're talking about today. And also I'd say all of these you can use to impress the opposite sex at (laughs) any time. Bring it up during uh, Survivor. Bring it up at the bar. Bring it up at a baseball game. Yeah, that first date. First date. Talk about drip edges. It's so powerful. If you're evil, please don't listen to this. Only use this power for good. Wow. Go ahead. Wow, superhero stuff. So this is out of the IBC Chapter 15, <laughs> Roof Assemblies and Rooftop Structures. What were you going to say? I'm just, it's just, it's so sexy. What's going on now? <laughs> okay. Uh, so it's section uh, 1507.2.9.3, Drip Edge. Provide drip edge at eaves and gables of shingle roofs. Overlap to be a minimum of how many inches so how many inches do you need to overlap the pieces of drip edge on a roof that has shingles okay are you talking about this uh, the gutter and then the drip edge yep yep, yep. exactly exactly so and uh, the o- overlap for the shingles nope the actual pieces of the drip edge so they're going to take oh, the drip edge like horizontally yes exactly yeah. so th- so nope somebody who doesn't know what this is is let's say you tear off a roof okay at the edge of the roof, there's a piece. There's these pieces of metal, and they're formed in a certain yeah. way. Flashing is a familiar term. Yeah, it's sort of like a flashing at the very, the very bottom edge of it. And so they they usually come in like a ten foot sticks or yeah. ten foot lengths. Sorry, I shouldn't say sticks. Ten foot lengths. So how you have to overlap those, right? You can't have a gap. Can't have a gap. Otherwise, water goes in there. House falls yeah. down. Goes boom. No, no bueno. Yeah. Okay. So how many inches do you need to overlap? Okay. Um. One inch, so A, one inch, B, 1.5 inch, G, two inches. G. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Let me start over. A, (laughs) one inch, B, 1.5 inches, C, two inches, or D, three inches. Let me repeat that. A, one inches, B, 1.5 inches, C, two inches, D, three inches. Should I go with what I think the answer is, or should I go with my gut? Go with your gut. 1.5. Incorrect. Oh, that's the first one I've ever gotten wrong. First one he's ever gotten wrong. Uh, so the answer is two inches. Ah. Two inches, everybody. My gut, you have failed me. Once again. Once again. Okay. The next one is um, another drip edge question. And this has to do with, so it's a 1507.2.9.3 drip edge. Provide drip edges at 
Eaves and gables of shingle roofs overlap a minimum of two inches. Two inches. Eave drip edges shall extend one quarter inch below sheathing and extend back on the roof a minimum of two inches. Drip edge shall be mechanically fastened a maximum of how many inches? So mm. every how many inches do you need to put a roofing nail into it? How many inches? Okay. Yeah. A, six inches. B, 12 inches. C, 18 inches. D, 24 inches. Another way to think of this is like, what is the maximum? What is the maximum uh, between each faster that I could do before I'm out of building code? So A, six inches. B, 12 inches. C, 18 inches. D, 24 inches. Going with your gut. Going with your brain. With so with my brain because I have attached these, um, and I've done it every six inches. I've just a, a rough. Uh, I didn't. I don't even know the code. I just incorrect. Open. You would be within code. But you would but, be, but it would be incorrect. Well, no, no, no. That wasn't. That wasn't. Uh, I thought that I just overdid oh, it. Oh, yes, you did overdo it. Yeah. See, eighteen seems we- weird because studs are sixteen inches on center, but it's not like you have to hit a stud. Right. It's, right. We're not going to, like rafters are typically twenty-four. Right. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes they are sixteen. It, uh, drip edges. I keep thinking tiny houses and I keep thinking the wind load of like ripping those things off. Yeah, we went crazy on the tiny houses. Yeah. Uh, 18. 12 inches. Ah! <laughs> Once again. That is the, the first one this, I've gotten wrong. This, <laughs> this guy is on fire, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. He's on fire. I can't believe I had such a streak going. <laughs> okay, last one. Last one. Uh, I really, I think, I, I hope you get this one. Okay. <laughs> I hope we get this one. Let's see. All right. So this is 1507.9.2. Deck slope. Wood shakes shall only be used on slopes of what slope or more? Okay. A, 112. B, 212. C, 312. D, 412. Shakes? Shakes, wood shakes. What is the minimum slope you can put those babies on according to the IBC? A, 112. I've B, only seen them on high slope, so I'm going to say four. 212. Congratulations, sir. Yeah. K- k- the streak continues. The streak continues. <laughs> and with that, th- thanks for listening again, everybody. Uh, if you if you would be so kind as to leave us a review on iTunes, share things on SoundCloud. Give, I think you can review us on SoundCloud. I actually have no idea. Yes. Probably. We're just sure. going to say probably. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Anybody else is listening, we'd love to hear your best and worst advice, especially you, Mr. Perry. Please, please send your stuff in, and then uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot.